when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Thursday morning, our lines are open, 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your calls this morning. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Email jp at c103.ie. Or indeed, you can always tweet us this morning at c103cork. Ahead on the show, and this is being reported in the Irish Daily Mail this morning, new plans by the Transport Minister proposing a change to speeding fines to punish faster drivers. How do you feel about this? Do you think it's a fairer system? Basically, under the plans the faster someone is going in a car or vehicle or whatever they're driving uh, the heavier the fine will be now the sliding scale of the punishments will replace the current flat rate of 80 euros uh, for the fine for anyone caught speeding at the moment it's a rate of 80 euro but it does mean those breaking the speed limit by a lot more will be fined much more uh, than they are at the moment Uh, so it depends how much you were over the limit some people going on the feedback we've gotten over the years may welcome this because we've all has got annoyed uh, people who have been five six seven k over a speed limit have received that fine whereas somebody who's 40 50k over the limit receives the same fine so we'll discuss that later in the program with the aa and also derelict buildings still impacting on our towns across the county uh, we know back in 2016 there was a scheme set up and we're going to hear how successful that particular scheme has been especially for those long-term derelict buildings and we've also heard about owners of those buildings who have refused to engage with the local authority. But this morning, the local authorities are coming under pressure because it seems they're failing to buy up derelict and vacant houses despite having those special powers that I presume they all had under that particular scheme launched in 2016. Anyhow, uh, we'll discuss that with Councillor Melissa Milan in the Mallow area shortly on the programme about derelict buildings. And is there a derelict building in your town that you feel is making your town not look the best it could or indeed hampering the town in some way? Also, look at all those derelict buildings we have across, not only here in Cork, but across the country. And look at the housing crisis and those in emergency accommodation. If we had those people who own those particular buildings redo them up and if we could take those out of emergency accommodation and put them into those particular buildings if all those buildings are suitable well then it would solve a lot when it comes to the particular housing crisis anyhow we'll discuss that shortly on the programme your views are welcome on that 1850 333 103 
And also this morning, and this is something we get calls on quite a lot on the programme, and it's to do with people trying to get access to home care. And it seems now over 65s are finding it harder to get state help now than they did a decade ago, as waiting lists are increasing. This is particular, though, to do with home care. The report was conducted by Care Alliance Ireland, and they're going to join us this morning about that. And how many times do we hear from people who are looking for home help and they simply can't get it or they're told they'll have to wait so many months. And then we hear from those who are working within home help who say that they have only 30 minutes to call to a particular person. And then within that 30 minutes have to get all the jobs done, then move on to another home after that. And, you know, in rural areas, you could be driving 15, 20 minutes to go from one house to another. Also, when you call to a home, as I said earlier on the breakfast show, when you're in a particular a home, you're speaking with the person. That person may have not seen anyone, had no human contact for the entire day. So they know you are calling. They are looking forward to you calling and they want to chat. But the home helper doesn't really have time to chat because they have to get all the work done or will chat while they're trying to get the work done. But obviously, uh, the big thing here is you you have to engage with the person you're visiting as well because they're looking forward to you coming all day because you can be the only human they have seen. So uh, with all of that going on and the home helps and the pressure uh, from the HSC to get the work done faster and then people cannot access the service, we'll discuss that later in the programme with Care Alliance Ireland. Let us know if you're in that particular situation. Maybe you're trying to get home help Uh, for your parents or for a family member you cannot do that and let us know if you're on the other side if you are a home helper you are working out there at the moment and you are finding it tough especially dealing with the current situation and trying to get everything done in a certain time limit our lines are open for that 1850-333-103 also our Garda file is on the way this morning and pet advice if you have any advice for a pet in your household maybe uh, Halloween might have scared them last night. You're looking for some advice. Well, Jane, our vet, will be along later in the programme from around 12.30 onwards. Your calls and texts are welcome for pet questions for Jane later. And one of those already, and this is something that maybe others would have received over the last uh, evening or so, anyhow, depending on where you're living on this, is fireworks going off and bangers going off. And even though both are illegal... Yeah, they still went off for Halloween, as is expected each and every Halloween night. Elizabeth, now, Elizabeth doesn't want to say where she's from, but she did contact us earlier this morning, uh, living in a housing estate in the county. And she says last night in her area, there was bangers going off, there was fireworks going off. And when she looked out her window, all she saw was crowds of people in and around the estate walking around. Now, that was okay, she said, because the majority were genuine trick-or-treaters. But as the evening went on, we still, she said, had teens as she's put it uh, in and about the estate not dressed up but roaring shouting causing problems throwing things it was frightening at one sense especially on a dark evening around 8, 9 o'clock and it's kind of misty and it's kind of foggy and she said I live on my own and I was frightened plus my dog then was barking for the entire evening because of the loud noise from bangers and fireworks I kept him inside all evening just I usually keep him in a shed but she said I kept him inside all evening because of the fear in him hearing all those loud noises why can't the parents justify this and why cannot they look after their own children in that particular estate. Well, what could also happen, Elizabeth, is you'll have people coming to your particular estate from other nearby estates or other areas of the town 
I'm not too sure where you are in Cork, but it will happen whereby they will descend on a particular estate for some reason from other estates and vice versa. It happens the other way around too. Anyhow, if you have questions for Jane later on on the programme regarding your dog who might have been frightened or cat from the uh, Halloween activities, let us know. But are you affected by the Halloween activities yourself? Let us know that also. Uh, like Elizabeth there who isn't happy and was frightened for a few hours last night herself because looking out the window, seeing gangs, as she's more or less put it, in an around the estate and this isn't trick-and-treaters and then you have the uh, fireworks and bangers and all that going off and all you can hear is voices outside your window and people running around and throwing things anyhow uh, happening in a Cork estate last night let me know if you had something similar in your area 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 86 103 C103 on a Thursday morning so a lot of people always on to us about TD's pensions and indeed Uh, those uh, public servants who leave get big pensions and are always not happy about those in public office who do get the pensions and we see sometimes how much they get and always people are looking for more information because it's your taxes paying for these particular pensions well wait for this Uh, this isn't going to please a lot of people details of bulky pensions and golden handshakes that are given to TDs when they retire but all that information is going to remain hidden, and that is due to EU data protection laws. The millions of taxpayers' money, which is given to former politicians every year, but transparency on names and amounts, that is being stopped because of GDPR rules. The GDPR, of course, was brought in across Europe this summer, and that has been adopted here by Ireland also during the summer. And it's an article in the Irish Mirror this morning, and they have learned that the annual breakdown of pensions and details of the 30 million euro in public funds paid every year to retired politicians all of that is going to be kept under wraps Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people who always and usually we do get that information wouldn't be initially uh, but five or ten years down the line we do get that particular information when a politician retires or a politician leaves and or he's even sacked and he can get his pension we get the amount usually that the politician would have received if there's a handshake or indeed also what they get in their pension but that is all about the change it would seem uh, with the new GDPR rules we ain't going to know how much they're getting anymore so a lot of politicians who were, were criticising this every year and, and felt that uh, the list which used come out should not be published. Well, I'm sure they're breathing a sigh of relief now because they're off the hook thanks to that particular red tape from the EU. So it's going to be harder now for people uh, to find out how much the TDs are getting in the way of pensions because of the new rules from the EU. And if you're flying at this morning or maybe flying in the next while or the next year, you're planning to fly with Ryanair, a word of warning for you, their new baggage policy comes into effect today. Uh, this means that passengers will no longer be able to take hand luggage onto the plane free of charge, something the majority of us always used to take for granted. Uh, Only one now small bag, such as a handbag or maybe a laptop bag, that can be carried on board the plane. But the usual 10 kilo hand luggage bag, uh, that would cost you €8 now to check in. Uh, That's their uh, changes coming in with effect from today with Ryanair's new baggage policy. And some good news, and this is on the lead up to Christmas. Yeah, it is November, the 1st of November today. A lot of people now, as Halloween uh, gets moved aside, are getting into the Christmas mode 
vote, even though it is only November and people are saying it's far too early. Uh, people are thinking that way. People are buying presents. They're saving money and people have been buying presents, I'm sure, since August, September and saving money for that. But if you're shopping in your local town and we always encourage people to shop locally and in your local town, well, there's free parking and I have two towns at the moment and this will follow on across all towns in the Cork area who have paid parking. But first of all, free parking will be in Mallow for the month of December. And this has been agreed by the local council in the Canturk and Mallow districts to give free parking uh, on the streets of Mallow and indeed on council car parks that will start on the 1st of December and the all-day car parks will have all-day free parking. The two-hour limit then, that will be free obviously for only two hours. So if there's a two-hour limit in the parking area you're parking in, you can park there for free uh, but you still have to obey the two-hour limit and then all the street parking will be the same. There's a two-hour limit on the street parking as well depending on where you park and depending on the limit. So motorists need to be aware of the limitation of the parking but still parking free in Mallow for the month of December and also Bandon will have the same initiative pay parking in Bandon is going to be suspended for the month of December a two hour parking limit would apply and there's a three hour parking limit then in Hart Car Park as it's known locally Hart Car Park is that car park uh, just below and near the Catholic Church on isn't it St. Patrick's Key in Bandon so uh, good news there uh, for drivers heading in from other areas near Mallow and near Bandon and doing your shopping there you'd have free parking for the month of December in council car parks and can we help Hetty out Hetty was on to Burnley yesterday afternoon and Hetty's living in the city area she has a major back problem and she's looking and needs to find an old fashioned corset now none of the shops she has gone to have one so she's looking for some advice on this on where she can go to find an old fashioned corset she feels that this will sort out or help anyhow some way in relation to her back problem so any ideas where we can find an old fashioned corset for Hetty she's in the city area so I'm not too sure if she wants to just get it in the city area or if you know of any shop that can help out in the Cork area who can help Hetty who has a back problem looking for an old fashioned corset let us know 1850 333103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 but the issue of derelict buildings causing problems in Corkstown and also not only here in Corktown but uh, how nationally the problem is now being looked at and uh, the government and others are coming out looking at this particular issue now and maybe some saying that local authorities are failing uh, to buy up derelict and vacant properties and not using the powers that they have to deal with that particular situation we'll discuss that next You're listening to Cork Today on Re- Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Over two years ago, here on the show, we dealt with the issue of derelict buildings across the Cork area. An initiative was put in place to deal with these particular properties. And we're going to really find out, I suppose, in the next while how successful that has been. Especially reports coming out this morning on the Irish Independent that the local authorities are seen to be failing when it comes to derelict and vacant houses. Uh, Councillor Melissa Milan joins me on this particular issue. Good morning to you, Melissa. Good morning, John Paul. You and others were among the first out to raise the issue of the amount of derelict buildings. You were, I suppose, firstly, were looking at the Mallow area and Mallow Town about this. And what do you make this morning of the view coming out from Dublin? And this is in the Irish Independent that uh, in in Dáil Éireann, anyhow, it it would seem that they feel local authorities are failing uh, to buy derelict and vacant uh, houses. And this could, obviously, as you know, deal with the housing situation but they feel you guys in the council aren't using your common powers for the common good 
Yeah, look, I suppose probably two years ago in Cork County Council, there was a big initiative started on derelict sites. It was probably a concern for all councillors in the area, including myself in the Kentork Mallow. So there was a programme put together to try and deal with it. Um, we had a report uh, probably about a week or so ago again and an update on it, on what work had been done. For instance, in the Kentork Mallow site um, in 2016, we would have had 26 properties or sites that would have been um, um, registered as being derelict. Um, to date, five of them have been removed. But sadly, when you remove five, sometimes you'll get another five on or perhaps six. So we currently have 21. Um, it is a very difficult um, issue to deal with. It is a plight on some wonderful towns across the county, including Mallow Kentork area. Um, but as you said, it is the responsibility for the council and local authorities to take care of derelict sites. Um, it can be difficult, firstly, trying to find out sometimes who owns them. Um, we have a lot of steps that we can take when we do find the owner, and that obviously is to prosecute them. At the moment, we have a 3% levy um, on the value of the property. I think that's a little bit low. We discussed it at full council not so long ago, and I think every councillor agreed it should at least be at 10%. Um, we can put a CPO on the building, which can be difficult sometimes, or we can carry out the necessary work um, and charge the owner. And again, that's just basically putting a charge on the deed. An example of that would probably be people in Mallow will be familiar with the old Central Hotel, where the council did carry out the necessary work and there is a charge for the owner, um, which obviously will be will come back to the council um, at the sale of the property. But again, that's a long-term, um, you know, it's, it's, it's compensation that councils and local authorities are waiting for a long time. Um, CPOs are difficult. You obviously, there's a, there's a process in it, um, you find the owner, you advertise it, you tell the owner you want to, to buy it. He or she can object at any stage. It'll go to onboard planola and it's an onboard planola hands then. Now, if there is a charge on the property, which in many cases there would be, if they're derelict for some time and if local authorities are doing their job, um, there would be a, a substantial charge probably on it and that is taken from the sale of the property. In some cases, it may nullify the actual whole compensation that the the, the owner of the property can get. But it is a difficult process. And the CPOs you mentioned there, is it because there's too much red tape trying for the council, that is, to get the CPO and that it has to go through so many levels and get to onboard Pranola? If it was made easier, would you be able to CPO more buildings? Yeah, I think CPOs are looked on a case-by-case basis. Sometimes, um, look, I'm not saying every, every property owner is like this, but some property owners, that's what they want. They basically want, uh, you know, someone else to take the responsibility for it. I think the onus is on... on um, the owners of properties to take care of their properties. In some cases, yes, we should use CPOs, particularly when we have a need for it within towns and villages. But in not all cases, we don't have a need for it. And it then, in my, in my view, would be that it's the responsibility of the owner. And the owners, are some of them awkward, difficult to deal with? Because it would seem going on, not only here in Cork, but across the country and reading reports this morning, uh, that local authorities are having problems dealing with owners of buildings. Some are engaging with the local authorities, but some just don't want to and are willing to leave the building idle for some reason or another, which that building then could be used for housing or it could be used to enhance the town rather than having everybody in the town painting their buildings, you know, tidy towns, setting flower is the town looking well and then you have an eyesore in the middle of it. Indeed and look I'm glad you obviously mentioned the tidy towns there because it was true obviously um, the partnerships of tidy towns and local authorities and town partnerships that we were able in the last number of years to get five of them removed but yeah you look as I said I, sometimes I feel that, that some owners of properties are sitting on it wait, you know, waiting to get as much compensation as they can through a CPO and um, 
I don't agree with that. I would love to see a lot of these properties for sale signs up on them and there's not, which means they're not even making an effort to try go on the open market and sell them. Um, look, we're, there's a new act actually, and I think which is the Vacant Properties Act, which there will be levies charged, I think, from early 2019. And that's certainly to deal with housing. So any vacant sites, we will have a register set up. So any sites that are are suitable for housing, but we can see that developers are not coming forward then they will be put on a vacant site and there will be a levy starting from 2019. So that would deal with the housing side of it. Um, look, I've had many groups, particularly I, even as late as yesterday, um, there's there's groups in, in the Kentuck area, such as, as the Scouts and the, the you know, men's sheds. They're all looking for premises. And they'd love sometimes if, if local authorities come along and put a CPO on something and give them that, but it's not that straightforward. And it is very difficult for, for small communities that have voluntary groups like this or, or different sporting activities and they have no premises. So a lot of the time, these these premises would be ideal. But certainly I know the one that I am um, speaking about in Mallow the other day, that wouldn't be ideal for a community group. But certainly we should look at it, um, perhaps to put on the vacant sites and look at it for housing. In a lot of towns years ago, there was always premises over all the shops that could be turned into beautiful apartments now and people like to live in the town it's very accessible for people um, and we possibly should be doing something with CPOs and that but that's probably more under the vacant sites than the dereliction And would you have problems then when you are approaching landlords uh, that you'd have a consortium who would own the building and you might have one person saying yes I agree with you I want to do it this way but that person then might have two other people in that particular consortium who don't yeah. want to go that way uh, that poses a bigger issue I presume then. That, that would pose the issue and again that's up to both when there's any objection at all to a CPO, it's up to Borkinola, and we do know sometimes how difficult on Borkinola can do things. Yeah. You know, we and local authorities see see something, and Borkinola see something else, so they can override it at any stage. But it is a very costly um, um, process to go down. And speaking we of costly. Prefer- to bring that back money to to you guys in the council because it is costly to go and get CPUs and deal with in Borpanola. Your colleague in Carrig Line, Councillor Seamus McGrath, he does want tougher laws and penalties and one of the penalties, and you mentioned it earlier about the 3%, he thinks the charge should be increased by 10%. Yes. Can that happen? Have the local authority the power to increase no, it? We don't and I asked that at our meeting. We don't actually have that. It, 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 it has to go um, to national legislation. So obviously we after our meeting on Monday, we have written to the department and asking for legislation to be changed and for it at least to be some, you know, some something that a, de- that a developer or a builder or an owner will look at and say, well, you know, this levy is very hefty. We better start doing something. But 3% is far too small. And, I, and, you know, I think it was an agreement across full council. And as you said, including um, Councillor McGrath, that 10% is definitely where it should be. Yeah, and people are texting in with uh, their own villages that they're living in whereby they have issues where there is buildings and businesses, unfortunately, who have shut. And yeah. you have idle, might have been a shop, might have been a bar, whatever, which is now idle, left derelict, and has been there for four or five years. And that is because simply people have moved away from the area or yeah. there isn't enough business for the area. But those buildings, according to texters, could be used for housing, could be given to people and remove them from the housing list. Uh, there is positive yeah. stories, I'm sure, as well with this. But just on the central hotel issue in Mallow I got a lot of texts in on this and I did read somewhere earlier this month or last month that the building itself was it due to be reconstructed and was there apartments due to go in there and, and shop fronts on the, fl- on the lower floor yeah, there, there, there is, is that still a plan? Yeah there is current planning there 
Um, hopefully that will happen in the next number of years. And again, as I said, um, that was one of the ones where the local authority did intervene and do the work themselves. So there is a charge on that, obviously, that will come back to the local authority. It's not um, a huge pile of money probably in the whole course of events, but it certainly is close to 100,000, which Mallowtown could do it. We could do a lot of things with 100,000. Um, some smaller initiatives or whatever in the town. Can I just say also there is another initiative there which has probably prevented a lot of dereliction in the town and that's the painting scheme. And I would say certainly the Kentork Mallow area has been the highest across the county to utilise this. We've been doing it for the last number of years. You probably see if you drive through the town certain areas have, have lovely colours and and whatever but the, what the local authority are doing is they're giving grants to businesses and to obviously homeowners that are in town centres as well um, to paint their business and to put them into better conditions and that certainly does help um, in one way and it stops stops certain buildings from going into the dereliction um, list. And makes it look better as well for yeah. people visiting the area and for tourism yeah. and that type of thing. Now yeah. unfortunately other local authorities haven't been as good but certainly um, the Kentuck Mallow one has been the highest since it's been out. We've spent all our money every year and it's certainly from the work I would say of the staff going out to, to business owners and getting them to do work on their properties. So that's one initiative that you can try and help and make them look a little least presentable. I know if you put up a sale sign up and something and at least if it's painted from the outside and it looks a bit better it's, it's more eye-catching and you might get people to go in to look at it whereas if it isn't complete ice or people will write it off completely and Margaret on text wondering if there's a storm like we've had so many last Christmas and indeed last winter if they come around again this year hopefully not but if they do who's responsible then if part of the building collapses or if slates are falling off or, or something falls off the building and can damage a car or damage someone on the street or damage other property I, I, I would presume that's the property owner the landlord isn't it? It is the property owner but again if the property owner can't be found if the property owner doesn't do it it'll go back to the local authority which again um, which was the case of the central hotel we went in and we did work um, but there will be a charge obviously on the deed look the charge even with the 3% and the temper if it goes up to 10% it's a charge on the title deed so you don't actually get um, recompensated for it un- yeah. until it's sold so you are probably waiting a long time for it um, it's not an ideal situation and again that's why I, I, I've said previously it is the responsibility of business owners and homeowners that um, have left their properties going to complete and utter disarray it is their responsibility but obviously the local authority do have a responsibility as well to set in to, to step up and make sure they do it. But, you know, you could be writing endless letters or you could be trying to find out who owns property and it is a very long process. I don't actually buy, you know, when you said today the, there was an article, was it on The Independent or The Times, The Independent? Yeah, you know, The Independent. Yeah, yeah I, sometimes you, you, you get people, you know, coming from Leinster House or whatever, blaming local authorities. You know, we, we asked them um, last week now to change the levy to put it from 3% to 10% that's what we want them to do to aid us you know we are doing our best here I would say certainly look six um, five being removed from the register in 2016 isn't a whole pile but it is progress but we can't do it obviously without changes in legislation so instead of you saying Linster House saying for, to the papers in Dublin that you know you're not doing enough uh, for the derelict buildings, well you, you're throwing it back at them. In, let us do that oh, yeah. and let us increase the rate to ten percent, and that will. Yeah, which is what we asked from last week, from three percent to ten percent, and um, you know, and that would impact and change. You would hope. Anyway. That w- in my view, it would. You know, yeah. it can be a heftier fine. Very finally, uh, there must be some positive stories out of all of this. That you must have got to meet some landlords from buildings, and they either sold the building or they dealt with the issues. Uh, and there must be a, a good story has come out from somewhere in Cork. Surely, has there? 
Yeah, I mean, even if you look at probably the, the south side of the town in Valley Dehene area where he's a lot of derelict homes up on the very top of it, they were all done up, they were sold, they're looking very well now. And it's actually probably made the, those at the lower end of Valley Dehene, I see a lot of for sale signs up on vacant properties now. So it is, I think when, when people start to see one area starting to be cleaned up, they kind of feel, well, you know, I have a bit of responsibility here as well and we need to do something. So and um, certainly I would say the painting scheme has has, has worked very well. Um, you probably see the west end of the town at this stage where the, the buildings are all painted some beautiful colours, not probably to everyone's taste, but they are quite, I think they're quite attractive. Um, and Bridge Street last year again, um, there was a lot of work done on that and to paint it and kind of, you know, put put a new lease of life into it. So I think it's it's initiatives like that that perhaps would, would make, um, you know, some property owners look and say, well, you know, maybe I should do something. I'm the only only business in that area that hasn't taken up on the, on this this grant, and I need to do some work. Yeah, and then they'll actually do that, and it freshens the whole area up. When they see more doing it, it will fresh the it's area a up as well. I mean, yeah. it's a shame for for tourists or for anyone to come into our towns and to not see uh, to see any dereliction at all. That's that's not what we want. Um, but certainly, look, um, as I said, I'm speaking from the Mallow Kentuck area. We have had some progress, probably better than some areas. I know West Cork um, have a lot of derelict sites. And it is a beautiful area, you know, West Cork is an absolute beautiful um, side of our of, of, of our country. And to have, um, I think they have about 120 on their their register at the moment. So, again, look, it's, it's something needs to be done. I don't buy always Leinster House telling us that um, it's the, the fault of the local authorities. We are doing our job as well, but we need some help from them. And we need funding as well, you know, we need funding from them. Okay, well, we'll see what happens with that if they take you up on increasing it from 3% to 10% for the charge on those who refuse to engage with you and leave their properties derelict. And as you mentioned, other areas there of Cork, and they do depend on tourism. They need this to happen sooner rather than later. For the moment, uh, Melissa, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Uh, That's Councillor Melissa Milan from Mallow. Your views on that, and do you agree something needs to be done sooner than, uh, than later, and that you do need to increase the fines if the current fines are being ignored? It is time to increase them rather than you have maybe the national government give you out about local government and vice versa whereas if they just increase the fines it will be a move anyhow uh, to get rid of derelict properties on our streets your views on that many people texting in with their concerns regarding derelict properties in their area where they live 1850-333-103 or you can text a whatsapp 086-2103-103 now have you received a speeding fine over the last few years well if you have, there's a proposal anyway at the moment to change the way they issue fines for speeding because in today's Irish Daily Mail, Shane Ross has put a plan that the faster you drive, the higher the fine. We'll discuss that next. The Transport Minister is proposing a change to speeding fines to punish faster drivers. The Irish Daily Mail this morning reports that under these plans, the faster someone is going, the heavier the fine will be. Barry Aldworth joins me from the AA to discuss. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. It seems the sliding scale of punishments will replace the flat rate of €80, Euros, the current fine at the moment, for anyone that is caught speeding. Would you welcome that? Because we have discussed this before where people who were driving in maybe a 60k zone and are caught for doing 5 or 7k over and then another guy doing 40k over you're getting the same fine and they feel that's unfair yeah i think it's certainly an idea worth looking at and i think it's to be welcomed that the minister is looking at the possibility of changing the fine system i think ultimately 
where we kind of maybe have some concerns here is not necessarily with the plans themselves, but just are we focusing on the right area? So if you look at our current legislation and what we have in place, the flat fine of €80, really it's a deterrent, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not the fine that makes people conscious of whether they speed or not. The thing they really want to avoid is the penalty points. So while looking at tinkering and changing our system slightly and changing the fines, it's no harm to look at that possibility and see if it can do anything more to disencourage people from speeding. But really, where we would want to see more thought being placed and certainly see the Minister maybe put a bit more focus on is the enforcement, so giving Gardaí more manpower, more resources to allow them to actually police speeding and to monitor our roads on a more consistent basis. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do both, but I think uh, right now we have pretty good road safety law. It just comes back to do we have enough people out there to enforce us. Yeah, and would you be fearful also that if the penalty points, it seems, with this proposal are not going to increase, it just looks like the fine that if people realise they get a lower fine and it's a lower cost, that they may chance driving over the speed limit? Yes, so I think, again, you know, what this comes back to, it is the penalty points which are the main factor in people ultimately deciding whether they speed or not. They're more afraid of the penalty points than they are of the fine. Now, there is, you know, people pointing out already that, well, is changing the fine enough if there's not also going to be a sliding scale with penalty points? The thing with the penalty point system is, yes, it's your points for speeding, but if you are driving grossly in excess of a speed limit, you can also be charged with reckless or dangerous driving, and that will carry a separate set of penalty points with it. So in essence, while we may not have it written down, there is kind of a sliding scale with penalty points already in place and that if you are significantly over the limit, you can receive more points. But again, I just think it comes back to ultimately, if you are going to speed, it makes sense that the more you speed, the more you pay and other countries have done this. But it just comes back to, are we focusing on the right area? Do we really need to increase or change the fine? Or do we really just need more Gardaí out there to catch the people who are actually speeding? Yeah, you'd rather him come out this morning with an announcement that he's going to deploy three, 4,000 people into the traffic court within the Garda Chicana rather than something like this? Absolutely. I think if he'd come out this morning and announced that, we would be jumping for joy. And I think anyone working in the area of road safety would be. And as I said earlier, there's no reason that you can't necessarily do both. You can look at changing the fine system by all means, but really just keep your eye on the ball here. Again, whether the fine changes from 80 euro to 100 euro or to a higher amount, really that's only at best a mild deterrent when it comes to people deciding whether they will speed or not. What we know really changes behavior is that risk of being caught and the penalty points that will follow. So again, potentially paying more in a fine, I don't think that's going to do much to stop people speeding. Whereas if they think, hold on, I'm much more likely to run into a garden now and start clocking a penalty point, that's when you're going to see a real change in behaviour, I think. And in some other countries, when we stick with the fine issue, they seem to link the fine to how much you're getting paid. So it depends on your salary. Could that be something in the future that you would like to happen in this country? The bigger salary you have, the bigger you're going to pay. It's, I think it's something that happens in some European countries anyhow. Not in this particular proposal at the moment from Shane Ross, but is it something you would welcome later on? 
I think, again, it's worth looking at. So, for example, one country that does just that is Finland, and there have been a couple of cases where people who are exceedingly wealthy have gotten speeding fines into the thousands or tens of thousands. And I think, you know, in without full knowledge of what the minister is looking at doing here, ultimately the advice to him would be to look at best practice across Europe. If the Finnish system is proving to be incredibly efficient at stopping people from speeding, it may be worth looking at. If other countries with a more direct tiered fine system whereby it's linked to however many kilometres an hour over the limit you are and there's a set amount are finding that's working, then by all means follow that. But I think the main message we would have for the Minister is by all means play with the speeding fine and change it if you feel it is too low and I think there's an argument to be made that it is too low but don't take your eye off the ball here really when it comes to enforcement which is the main issue. Yeah, a good point here from Heidi says, JP, we need more signs with speed limits that are seen. I know of people that got caught speeding because there was no signs in place and they thought the same speed was the, let's say the 100k was in place all along that particular road. You had that issue, Barry, whereby people are being caught because they're unaware of the speed limit or indeed the speed limit is hidden under a tree or it's dirty. I mean, I've been driving in many roads whereby, for example, if I was outside of the Cork Kerry area, maybe in the Midlands, wasn't too sure of a road. I'd have to switch on the sat-nav to see what the speed limit is. Is that something that drivers are being caught with? I think that's a fair point. I think ultimately when you're driving in your own kind of locale, you know the area well, you know the limits. As you venture outside of that, you do come across cases of poorly set road limits or even cases where the speed limit isn't properly signposted. And that's something that really needs, I suppose, a lot of work to be done. We need to make sure that we're giving people the correct and accurate information in good time so that they can drive within the rules of the road and within the limits that are set. So again, I have a degree of sympathy for people who find themselves in that situation, and I have no doubt that it is happening. So do we need to see some of this fine revenue potentially go to improving our road infrastructure and as well as getting more guard of manpower out there, making sure that we have proper and effective road signage? I think it's worth considering, definitely worth looking at. But again, I suppose ultimately the responsibility does come back to the motorists to make sure that they know themselves the limits of the road that they are using. And there is also a responsibility on local councils to provide the accurate information which I think in some cases they have fallen a bit short of. So there's going to be a lot of pressure fall on them and we're going to be championing that voice as well to make sure that proper and clearly displayed road signage is there because ultimately I think if you were to look at speeding as a whole, you probably find more people who accidentally found foul of the law than deliberately set out to speed. All right, well, we'll see what happens with this particular proposal, Barry, for the moment. Thank you for joining us this morning. That is Barry Allworth there joining me from the AA and people asking why did this proposal come out now? Well, of course, last week, it's probably all part of the minister's plans to make the road safer, as he said, because we had the automatic driving ban that came into force. If anyone anyone was caught drink driving, that came into force last week. And there is more initiatives on the way, all part of a, a safer road system for us here in Ireland. And I know last week, people had mixed views on that particular changes to drink driving. Anyhow, lines open on that particular issue. Do you agree with what has been proposed there? If you are caught speeding at 
a higher rate, you pay a higher fine. So if you're caught speeding in a 60k zone at 100k, you'll pay more than someone caught at 70k. Do you agree with that? Is it a good idea? Is it a good proposal? Let me know. 1850-333-103. Good morning to you. Bernie takes your comments. 1850-333-103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email this morning jp at c103.ie. Or indeed, you can always send us a private message on Facebook if that's easier. You can do that. Just go to Facebook and search and like C103 Cork you can send us a private message there on Facebook to get in contact with us now a lot of comments and first of all to do with Halloween I mentioned briefly about Elizabeth who was sitting at home last night in her own home and Elizabeth not happy because she had not trick-or-treaters a number of she called them teens or Uh, People in their early 20s who were out and about in her estate, roaring, shouting, throwing things, bangers going off, fireworks going off. She didn't want to say where in Cork she's living, uh, but her dog was barking all night. She was afraid. It all stopped around 10 o'clock, but she goes from 8 to 10 on an evening where it was obviously dark and you had fog lingering in the area. It did frighten me. And speaking to her neighbours earlier this morning, they were also frightened. It's an elderly community, she said, in some of the estate. And it just isn't fair. And she was asking, where are the parents? What are the parents doing? They must know uh, where their children are in the particular estate, especially the ones, the teenagers in that particular estate. Now, the thing is, in some estates, you'll have a situation whereby those who are causing the trouble in the estate come from another estate. They won't uh, do it in their own uh, estate or on their own doorstep, so they'll come from elsewhere. So that's possibly what happened last night where you are, Elizabeth. We have more calls than on that particular issue. Uh, no name on this, but a person here saying sitting here uh, having a cup of tea and bangers going off yesterday evening and they just kept going off last night. Uh, then later on, as the night went on, I got eggs thrown at my window and at around eight o'clock as I was cleaning my window, teenagers then came along roaring. And I presume started throwing more things at you. Anyhow, thank you for your text on that and not a pleasant experience and horrible Uh, to get an egg thrown at your house trying to wash an egg off the brick or indeed off the window not a very easy thing to do so uh, yeah Uh, and you responsibility I suppose can go on some of the shops as well it's hard though for big uh, retailers to look at that especially retailers we know we have your own scanning service Uh, very hard to stop people if you have staff busy doing something else and you have uh, people buying a lot of eggs going through the self-scanning system and the self-checkouts that is and then heading off out the door you won't be able to catch each and every one of them and that seems to what is happening here because some shops are good enough and they will ask them at this time of the year what are you doing with all the eggs uh, or you're, you know you have a guy coming in or a girl buying you know three or four packs of eggs on a Halloween day 31st of October uh, they ain't going to go start baking are they and it's probably not for home egg either anyhow uh, thank you for your text Amanda says yes I agree with that earlier caller fireworks and bangers going off all night here on Cove very off-pushing and not fair to those living on their own. Also, animals were running wild last night uh, because of what was going on. But also, Amanda says, that should be pet ownership. People knew it was Halloween night. They should not have had their pets out. I had mine safely within our home because I partly guess the same thing would happen as it does every year with regards to fireworks and bangers. So thanks for your text regarding Halloween. Very shortly, we're going to discuss the issue of how people are finding it harder and harder to get access to the state home care service. It's a, sur- a report even conducted by Care Alliance Ireland. They'll join us shortly. Uh, but just uh, one text on this from a person who is involved in home health because uh, there is a situation out there we, from, we hear from home helpers uh, whereby they themselves are trying to do the work 
and they have 30 minutes to get from A to B. And when you call to a home whereby that particular person may have had no human contact for the entire day, they want to have a chat with you. They want to get the latest you know, news from the area, discuss things. And you can't do all of that and still do the work. So it can run over and then you must go to A to B. And A to B in a rural area can be more than 20, 30 minutes. So on that, a texter here is saying, I don't know how any home help can be expected to do the jobs they do in any person's house or in an elderly person's house in just 30 minutes. I am not a home help, but I am a very active person. And the most I can do is just get my breakfast in that particular time. It's a disgrace how the elderly are treated by the HSC and especially Especially when they are very good to home helps and the particular scheme, says the texter on that. And to the issue of the changes, proposed changes, that is, to speeding fines. And should we punish drivers who decide to go off and drive faster in a particular speed in, a, in an area where there is a speed limit? For example, there's a speed limit in every area. But if you have a 60k area, for example, and someone is caught doing 70 and another person caught doing 120, they get the same fine. That could be changed now. We spoke earlier there on the show to Barry Aldworth from the AA and we could see that if this proposal goes through someone driving faster will be fined heavier now um most people seem to be agreeing with this so far anyhow on calls to Bernie and indeed on texts and WhatsApp and Michael and Morn Abbey saying this has to be a good thing. It's unfair people speeding at a higher rate and then getting the same fine as someone who is driving just 5k over the limit. It's not fair. I think it's good that this decision is being thought about and I hope it does come in. Derek also agrees with this and he hopes this particular law comes in and John saying on an issue that Heidi raised and this was to do with signposts and signposts not up in every area and the speed limit may change but you're not aware of that particular area the signposts may be hidden in the trees it could be dirty with moss you know you'll see some signposts across the county and they're all green with moss or, or black with just dirt from traffic passing and you can't make out what it's saying and, and John's saying that is a good issue raised on the signposts they need to be seen uh, John giving his own example here he was caught one time on a road he never saw the sign and obviously the, the change had happened in the speed limit it went from a 100k zone to a 60k zone there was a speed van on the particular road John got a fine and he said he was so annoyed because he knew there was a speed limit somewhere there had to be somewhere on that road but he was watching out for a signpost and no signpost so anyhow he said I appealed to this something I would never usually do and he won his case because when they went through the courts, I presume, they realised, yes, there was no signpost approaching that particular area from the side John was going. Now, he said he has noticed signs up in the area since, but initially when he was caught, he said it was an area that he wouldn't have driven a lot over the years and it was new to him and it was one of the first times he was in the area. But now, as he's frequently going back there, he sees that there is more signs up warning of a 60k limit and that an approach of, let's say, 250 metres, you will have a 60k limit. Anyhow, John, Thank you for your text on that. I wonder, uh, does that happen to other people whereby you are in an area, you know there should be a speed limit, but you see no signs and then you're being caught? Have you appealed it? Have you been successful like John? Or are there areas where you feel, yeah, there there is a speed limit, you know there is, you slow down because you can see there is a signpost, but you can't read what is actually written on the signpost. That is a big issue in a lot of areas whereby you are looking for the signpost, but you can't see it, you can't read it because it's covered in moss or dirt. Anyhow, your calls on that, welcome 1850 
0800-333-103. You can text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And earlier we had uh, Hetty in the city area. Hetty has a major back problem and she's looking for an old-fashioned corset. Now, she's looked in a number of shops and the shop she's called into, they haven't got a corset. So she's looking for advice on this. Where can she go? Where can she find a corset? Uh, we've got uh, a good few people back to us on this with ideas of where she can get one. If you can help Hetty still because she has this back problem and she thinks uh, that an old-fashioned corset will do the trick for her. A lot of people in contact with us saying most army stores, uh, they will have a, a supply of this particular type of product because they are a fairly wide back supports that they would have in their stores so they, they might be able to help her army stores or uh, Magella here saying any store that would deal with camping they may have those type of items in their particular store also on the phone to Bernie to 1850 Jill is in Kenturk Jill says uh, that the central stores in Kenturk they sell those particular corsets so hopefully Hetty uh, that will help you there when it comes to your particular back problem and just back to the issue of derelict buildings for a few minutes. And this is Mary in Mallow, uh, who's asking, why did the council not buy the old Central Hotel in Mallow for the first place? It was a building we spoke about there when we were chatting with Councillor Melissa Milan about the issue of derelict buildings in the Cork area. And how now we have Linster House coming out saying that the local authorities really should go along and should tackle this particular issue, that they're not using their powers more or less. But as we heard this morning, local authorities saying, well, if we had a fine and increased fine, the current penalty is 3% on the property. If it went up to 10%, then an increased fine would give the council more power to deal with this particular issue. But Mary asking the question, why did the council not buy the own central hotel in Mallow? And then when they bought that, they could have put the plaza there. It would have been an ideal location for the plaza, not where the current plaza is in Mallow, which according to Mary and others that have been on to us is causing problems with regard to traffic at that side of Mallow Town. Thank you for your call Mary, 1850-333-103 and also with regards to speed limits, Finbar is in Balancolic. Finbar is saying the same would have to apply with drink driving if you were only barely over the limit or if you were very drunk. Uh, well, it wouldn't apply with this because drink driving would be a lot different than speed limits and they have last week brought in measures and new measures to do with drink driving and we discussed that at length last week and we, we mentioned it there as well earlier uh, with Barry Aldworth from the AA. So no, the speed limits will be a separate issue totally uh, to drink driving and that has been dealt with last week. Uh, and the, the Transport Minister Shane Ross has come out and, and, and said that even though it wasn't popular for a lot of uh, TDs in the actual Linster House last week and it was, you, you would have heard a certain TDs not happy with the change in law and uh, to these in rural areas I suppose uh, fighting for rural areas saying this will kill now uh, publicans and kill communities in rural areas and we saw reports in papers over the weekends where they did visit uh, mainly areas whereby there might be one bar and a crossroad and not a bar for miles and the pub owner was saying since the new law came in last week it has uh, become a lot quieter there uh, so the speed limits and drink driving will be totally separate I can see the point you're kind of making but still a total separate law Finbar but thank you for your call to Bernie 1850 333103 a lot more calls and comments coming in we'll get to those shortly uh, yesterday remember we were speaking to Angela in the Cecilstown area Angela was informing us about her water supply and indeed the whole area of Cecilstown who 
for the last number of years, water is on and off, basically. Last week, they had no water for three days. It came back then again. It went again. She was telling us her own story yesterday and how she's living, basically, with a bottle of water in the house because the water is on and off so much. You put on the washing machine for a wash. An hour later, the washing machine is humming because the water has gone off again. Well, wait for this. She was on to us yesterday telling us her story. Last night... At half past six, the water went again where she's living in Sesselstown and she was onto Irish water. And Irish water are telling her that they're upgrading a water treatment centre in Mallow from today until November the 7th. But uh, and when we checked into this, it does kind of make sense. And Angela's saying their water usually comes from the Baddy Claw Pump House and not from Mallow. So unless maybe someone in Irish Water just saw the map and just saw Ballyclaw Mallow and just presumed that that was the Mallow Treatment Centre and that's what the excuse they gave uh, or and maybe they are working on, on the Ballyclaw Centre but initially she's been told they're working on the Water Treatment Centre in Mallow and looking at past records here it does seem the majority of Cecil Town does come from the Ballyclaw pump. Anyhow, we are in touch with Irish Water on this. They are aware of the issue they told us. They are checking the issue out for us. We told them what has happened so far in Sussestown. This is a new one for them. Anyhow, we'll wait for a statement back from Irish Water and see if, if anything can be done for those people living in the Sussestown area of Mallow who really don't have a proper water supply in the last few months. And indeed, it's going on for a few years. 1850-333-103. Lines open. You can text a WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Keep your pet questions coming as well because Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Jane will join us after 12.30 on the show today answering all your pet questions so if you have a question regarding a pet in your house for Jane let us know you can call Bernie on that number 1850-333-103 shortly they're discussing uh, the how mainly people are finding it hard to access the HSC's home care service and it's a, a, a report conducted by Care Alliance we'll speak with them shortly C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for home instead senior care. They require caregivers in the McCroom, Dunamore and Bullarney areas. Experience and own transport is essential. Contact 021-4307-907 for details. A child monitor is required for two non-going for two non-school going children that should be in the area of Carnivar and Bottle Hill is three to five days a week starting in mid-January references are essential and you can contact 087 7418 and Country Clean Recycling in Chambelly Moor they require staff with experience of agricultural machinery to operate an indoor baler full time it's a permanent position you can contact 087 711 for further details and you'll get these details and much more now if you go to c103.ie forward slash jobs you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Cork today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086-2103-103 Families of elderly people have to wait on average more than three months to get home care support A report from the charity Care Alliance Ireland also says there's a major gap between the amount of care people need and what they actually receive Liam O'Sullivan from Care Alliance Ireland joins me Good morning to you Liam Good morning, John Pop. And thanks for joining us. Uh, these delays in getting home care, they can have a big impact, especially on the families of those who require the home care. And it seems now they'll be waiting longer as the decades goes on, and especially within the last 10 years. 
Well, look, hopefully not. Hopefully, increasingly, as a population, uh, as a community, we're realising the importance of supporting family carers, supporting people who are ageing or have a disability to, to stay well and well at home. And I suppose home care is a key part of that. So, yeah, what we found was there were variations across the country in how long people were waiting to get access to home care. And then therein also the gap between maybe what a local public health nurse has assessed them as needing um, and actually what they were being able to receive on the ground. And a lot of these reductions were made in 2011, 2012 uh, during the particular recession. They've obviously had a knock-on effect on what people are trying to access for home care. Yeah, those two years are really stark. When we looked at the figures, like literally 10% of, of home carers were just slashed um, almost overnight. And it, it really meant that people who were maybe getting um, five or six hours, suddenly they were losing an hour or two a week. Um, and it could have been a precarious enough situation maybe where they were relying extensively on a family member or indeed several family members to keep someone well at home. And, and sometimes that can be, could be the breaking point. And we, we would feel that definitely... Some people end up in nursing homes um, because of inadequate availability and timely access to home care. Yeah, and looking at your report, there doesn't seem to be any consistency across the country. And, and really, it's a lottery in one respect of where you are and the kind of support you get. Uh, that surely cannot continue. I think what happens is in, in Ireland, we kind of like to do things our own way. And, and particularly in Cork, I imagine the local managers of services who like to manage things in, in a certain way. And while that can be beneficial, it can respond to local needs, it can also create a kind of an, an, an inequity in some ways in that if there isn't a standard approach to assessing maybe care needs or managing priorities within various regions, it does lead to, to some inconsistencies. And in fairness, the Taoiseach, um, responding to this report last week in the Dáil, did acknowledge those challenges of of getting it right at a local level and then at a national level. I suppose we, we were rather underwhelmed by the, the quality of the responses from the HSE. We did put in what's called a freedom of information request, and, and this is the first time we've put one in. Um, and the idea was really to, to, to dig deeper past the kind of nominal number of people waiting, but actually what we felt was an important question was how long were people waiting, and then what was that gap between what was assessed as them needing and, and them actually getting. And we found it was about a 20% gap between what people were saying. Yes, to, to keep you well at home, allow, acknowledging the support of your partner, your family, that there's still a gap. So people may have been saying, yes, it would be great to give you 12 hours, but we can only give you six or eight. Um, and, and, and families get by and they struggle, but it shouldn't be that difficult to access that level of home care. Because the corollary, and I suppose the default is sometimes, oh, well, we, we have a legal right to um, nursing home care. So we, we find that some people end up inadvertently and unnecessarily so in a, in a nursing home. And that's really where people don't want to be. There'll always be a need for that, don't get me wrong. But I think by and large, people want to be cared for well. And I think we just need to be smarter and better at communicating between hospital discharge teams, community nursing teams. And, and then the wider kind of home care team at a local level to try and make quality uh, quality um, home care available very much in a responsive way rather than waiting and wondering and, and begging.
Yeah, and you mentioned there about uh, people and, and staying out of nursing homes. A lot of people who are receiving home care and, and are trying to get access to home care want to stay at home. They don't want to be going into a nursing home and their sons and daughters or carers or whoever don't want them going in there as well. We, we've spoken in the past to Nursing Home Ireland who also have a similar issue of waiting lists for those who are looking to go into care homes and nursing homes. And if the home care service was better, well, then you wouldn't have a waiting list in that area of nursing homes. So there's a ripple off effect here if, if you can home in and get the home care side sorted it will benefit other areas of the health service we, we think so and and in a sense to be fair the, the nursing home scheme there, there isn't material waiting this now sometimes there is a question mark about the the level of care that could be provided perhaps if someone has advanced dementia care that not not all nursing homes and particularly the private ones would be willing or in a position to provide good enough care so there are nuances there, but by and large, um, the, the, the Fair Deal scheme has responded to that challenge. And, and yeah, almost, I would argue, it's almost too easy to, to access in, in some ways um, because there is no legal right to home care. Um, and there's wonderful organisations across the county of, of Cork and, and City providing high-quality care. There's a load of not-for-profit organisations. And organising and, and providing home care well is difficult. You know, you have to manage relationships, not just with the person who needs the care, but their extended family. Sometimes families are reluctant to um, to make use of home care, or maybe the person who needs the care. They go, oh, no, I'm fine. You know, my, my daughter looks after me fine. And so it, it, it... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss it does require kind of a, a kind of a case management that's a terrible word but, but kind of a an appreciation and an empathy for the, the complexity of, of families and, and negotiating with families well so that they feel listened to that they don't feel put upon that the family carer in in the in the situation is also supported to continue to care because that's what most families want to do um, and isn't it great that if the state can provide some of that home care, that that's wonderful. Um, but there, but there are gaps and there are challenges. And, and you know, there's questions: how how will we fund it into the future? And, and the, to be fair, the Department of Health is undertaking a review of it, and they got two thousand six hundred, you know, um, bits of feedback, often from family carers, which which is great. 
Yeah, and one thing that has come out from this as well is those that are providing home care services within the HSC. And we have found that a lot of those who were in that role are now only spending 30 minutes at a person's house because they had to move on to the next house. And that's the way it seems to be running at the moment uh, under the rules that they're under, of course, from the HSC. Uh, we've heard this morning from home care helpers and home care workers who feel 30 minutes isn't enough, especially, and you know this, Liam, a lot of people in the home uh, are waiting for the home care worker to come because they have had no human contact all day and it's the only contact they may have for the whole day so they want to have the chat uh, talk about various issues and the home care person is still trying to do the work as well it's physically impossible to get everything done though in 30 minutes is that something that can be looked at and something that the HSC may take on board absolutely and I think what happened is when the cuts really hit hard there probably was a decision made, look, we're going to have to just, you know, reduce the, the duration of care in, in many instances. And that idea of the 30-minute visit, in some instances, it's acceptable and, and, and fair enough. But in many, as you say, particularly where it's the only contact they have, um, that it, it, it really, you can't help someone get up, get them washed, maybe put out a meal for them or something in that period of time. So I think, yes, that really needs to be used as a minimum, um, at a minimum, and really 45 minutes or an hour care um, is, is what's required and I suppose at a at a human level as well if you're employing someone you know it's very much piecework and the labour market is strengthened there's more attractive you know financial careers in, in other areas now um, so you want to make it in a way that, that's reasonable that someone can actually make a living out of, out of providing high quality home care and 30 minutes just doesn't make it attractive if someone's particularly in rural areas travelling between one family and the next and, and the reality is often particularly some of the, the uh, for-profit providers do not pay travel time. So it, it's very much piecework, which which we don't think is acceptable. Yeah, and on that, uh, and not paying the time for that, it's a good issue you raise because we have a number of people who are in the home helps. Obviously, they, they can't go public because of the jobs they're in, but they're saying if they leave one household and they do 30 minutes there, it could take them another 20 minutes to get to the next house and the time frame they're given doesn't allow the travel time. So they don't get enough, they don't get the 30 minutes for the next person. And well, there's well, a delay, it, people, people do suffer. And that's what those who are providing the service are, are telling us this morning. Well, well, that's it. And if we want to value care as a community, be it being the care provided by a family member or by a paid care worker, I think we really need to um, look at these questions and go, no, we will tra- pay travel time. We will support someone to, qual- to be more qualified and more skilled so they can lift someone carefully, so they can keep themselves well, so they can you know, stay in this in this work into the future because we're all aging, you know, which is wonderful. We're, we're living longer, we're generally living healthier. But the, with that, we'll require more investment in home care over the next few years. Um, and, and, and the government, the, the funds are there. There's an extra 1.1 billion in, in health this year. And we were really, I suppose, disappointed not to hear any reference to increased provision for home care in, in Cork um, or throughout the country. And, and the HSE will be delivering a, a service plan over the coming weeks and we really do hope that uh, there will be a significant increase um, in provision so that they can go, yes, we will deliver an extra 5 or 10% home care to the families across Cork over the coming year. Okay, just a few questions in for you, Liam. First of all, on people who are receiving home care, and I'm not too sure if you can answer these or not. I think a lot of these will have to go back to HSE management. But if you are in a situation whereby you have a home carer coming in, this person feels that home carers don't do domestic or as much domestic work as they used to do. Yes, they come in and they chat, but because of the time allowance, I presume, they don't do enough of the household work that they were required to do. In that situation, would it be to go back to the person that's in charge of your particular area? 
Australia and, and say to them? I think so. There's definitely been a tightening up in, I think, in the past, the kind of idea of home health was people would light the fire and maybe do some shopping. And, and it's really tightened up so that now um, the expectation is that you come in, that it's very much functional. It's around kind of um, maybe just getting, making sure someone has food to eat or that, you know, that you give them a wash or check maybe um, one or two other things. But yeah, it, 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 it's very much less about um, tidying the house. And, and I suppose there's, a, there's an argument there, well, well, maybe the state shouldn't pay for that. But there, there was a tradition that there was a level of that, and that seems to have been reduced massively because there's a prior, there's a prioritisation. And if someone needs, you know, to be washed or or toileted or the catheter to be emptied, there in a sense seemed to be more more priority. And another person texting, why can't the home carer, why anymore can they not walk the person they are caring for to see their garden? I don't know. Again, you would think local, you know sensible approaches to this um, would would be considered and um, if it's a, a discussion with the wider family or indeed the public health nurse to maybe make some um, sensible interventions because it's not all about a medical model, it is about you can help someone go out to their garden or call into their neighbour for a few minutes you know, that kind of sense of isolation mm. and just the purpose in life can be such a powerful you know, medicine in itself it kind of coerces you and it gets them out of the house and it gets them in a different environment so it does help them and another person here feels that you mentioned 45 minutes is okay for most people this person doesn't agree uh, they feel that an hour and a half is the length of time a home carer should spend with someone in the home not too sure if, if we'll ever go back to those particular time frames from the HSC but thank you for your text so you mentioned some recommendations there that can help this had you more recommendations out of this report that you were going we back do. to the HSC have and that can improve the service for people to access and indeed for those working in the service to deal with those who they're going to care for absolutely one of the recommendations and it's been in the hsc service plan for the last 10 years is the idea of a single assessment tool so that there would be a consistency in assessing care and prioritization we think that's kind of a a technical thing but i think it's important that it is rolled out definitely we need more provision um and you know we're not hung up on on how it's paid for inevitably there's probably going to need to be some level of co-payment with us um, and 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 teasing that out that'll take political courage to get that over the line but most carers when asked most family members have said yes we, we appreciate we, there needs to be a contribution made by the wider family or the person receiving care to it. So I think that needs to happen. Um, there was a pressure on kind of hourly rates going down and down. And, and, and what happens then is you're cutting out the, the travel time and the training and professional development for the care workers. I think we need, when, when the HSC is reviewing tenders, they need to look at that as, as part of the, the kind of assessment. The issue of those family carers themselves, having a conversation with the family member going, what, what will make a difference to help you care? What are the challenges? The idea of kind of a, a, a family carer's assessment of their own, and, and that's been in, in the UK for 20, 30 years now, and it can be such a powerful kind of cathartic conversation to have. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to provide everything they want or need, but just acknowledging the contribution they make in keeping a, a family member at home well is, is, is really powerful, we believe. Yeah, and a lot of people, as we mentioned earlier, would rather stay at home and stay well at home rather than going into nursing homes or availing of other services. For the moment, Liam, thank you for that. A good report, and it has opened up the discussion of home care in this country. For the moment, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you for joining us this morning. That is Liam O'Sullivan joining us from Care Alliance Ireland. Your views on that? Uh, A lot of people agree with the way home carers are at the moment seemingly running around because of the time limit they have been given uh, from their employers, and many feel it's unfair, uh, and a lot of people 
people can understand why that is happening but they feel it should not happen in that way it's all about money when it comes to dealing with people especially people in a care uh, service like they are giving them when you're calling to someone's house doing a few jobs chatting to them whatever else it is uh, that has to be done you know it's a big responsibility uh, but also responsibility that can't be done in a certain time limit and that is what is happening at the moment and people that do the job the carers themselves aren't very happy about the time limit of 30 minutes and those who are receiving the care ain't happy either anyhow uh, not too sure what an ideal time would be uh, and then there's a lot of other issues as well when people get to the house obviously they can't do at the level of work they can do in that particular limit anyhow your, your calls and comments are welcome on that and the other issue then is trying to access home care and people are waiting uh, to access the HSE home care service uh, let us know your views 1850 are you trying to get a carer for your either maybe your elderly parents or, or friends or whatever uh, let us know how hard you're finding it to access the service or maybe you are a home carer and you agree with a lot of what Liam said regarding the time frames you were given and the work you were doing or maybe you disagree uh, let us know you can text or whatsapp also on 086 2103103 now we've got a lot of calls and comments in from the Cecilstown area near Mallow regarding their water supply and it went off again yesterday evening it was raised by Angela on the show yesterday and now I think the entire community there is coming together and they're just sick of this uh, another text here and this person saying she heard Angela on the show yesterday regarding our water yes it was turned on it was turned off and again last night it was off and it's just very annoying and when it went off again yesterday evening it's only just come back on now but if you ring Irish Water and ask them anything they just have no explanation it's just not on so we're going to have to get back onto Irish Water again and see what they can say to us and I know there was uh, councillors as well working on this we'll see if we can uh, chat to one of them on what is happening in Cecilstown and it's not a new problem they've put up with that now for not only a few months a few years but I think now they've taken as much as they can regarding no water imagine living with no water uh, and you're getting it you're not getting it it's on and off anyhow uh, we'll try and go back to that and find out what exactly is happening for those people who are living in the Cecilstown area near Mallow who simply don't have a water supply and Anyhow, that and more to come uh, on the way next, though, our Garda file. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And for this week's Garda file, I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly from Fermoy Garda Station. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, John Paul. And we'll start this week and something we've spoken about before, minding your car keys if you're in the home. This is a, a not a new one, but something we haven't heard of for a while. Keys taken of a van that were taken from a lock shed and this was in the Shambhali Moor area and unfortunately then the van was stolen. Over and over, over and overnight, John Paul, just in the last, uh, between um, uh, 12 o'clock last night and half seven this morning. So it's as recent as that. Um, the four transit um, was taken from from the yard. The keys had been left um, in in a locked shed, and so the the break in was, was literally just to take the the keys of the van. Now I have no details at the moment on the van. Just be looking for anybody that saw anything suspicious in the Shambelly Moor area from twelve o'clock last night to seven thirty this morning. Um, that they may have met a, a four transit van. Uh, coming against them, maybe be driven fast or whatever, you know. Um, as I said, I have no details on the transit at the moment, but quite unusual. Like, overall, the amount of break-ins um, is well down. I think in the entire Garda Division of Cork North, we've had two break-ins in the last seven days. 
Yeah, um, so it's it's a crime that as I know years ago. Remember, John, we had a lot of these where people were uh, calling to houses and trying to get their hands in the letterbox and putting items into the letterbox to get car keys out of homes and then rob the car. But we haven't heard of something like this for a long, long while, especially from a lock shed. It's it's a while, yeah, yeah. Um, so just say to people, you, you know, if you are in circumstances like that, just make sure that the keys are kept somewhere very secure overnight. Um, because it it could be um, we have seen up the country land cruisers being targeted you know again four transit vans they're a kind they're something that um, they could be moved to other jurisdictions as well you know yeah anyhow that was overnight in the Shambhali Moor area of North Cork and then also John we have a theft of a farm gate in Kilworth yeah we have a number of farm related thefts right and I suppose just the listeners an idea of what's going on in, in, in rural areas. Um, now, the farm gate was stolen from, from a premises there in the Kilclough, Kilworth area. Um, now, it was stolen Saturday night, Sunday morning of the week on. Um, just basically taken off. Uh, it was a 15-foot farm gate taken overnight from an entrance to a field at the side of the road. Now, the reason I'm highlighting that you had a number of them done in Ballymacabry area going back four days previously. The Monday to Tuesday of the previous week, week back towards the Nyer Valley, Ballymacabry area, a few farms. Now, they, they could have been precursors to very serious accidents as animals were found in that area wandering on roads uh, in the early hours of the morning. In the case back in Ballymacabry, there were what's described as lamb-proof gates. There were gibney gates. And there was four of them stolen from a premises, uh, from an outside farm back that country. Now, there was items of farm, dairy farm-related rubbish left at the scene. So um, it could be somebody that's doing work on dairy farms or whatnot. Um, but there were items of dairy farm-related rubbish left at the scene uh, in Bally Macabre, along with um, an 18-inch nail bar and uh, parts of pipes and stuff like that. So they took um, the gate and left that? Yeah, they, they, oh. they, they, they left um, The nail bar was obviously used to lever up the gate. The gate, yeah. So look, I'd be saying to farmers, outside farms, uh, farm gates, make sure they're spot welded to prevent them being lifted up. You know, it's uh, because, as I say, this is something we're just beginning to see again. It, it occurs from time to time. But there's obviously somebody didn't bind them, John Paul, you know. Yeah, they're, they're selling the gates, yeah. The ditch. So there is somebody quite content that they're buying them and they're not asking uh, any awkward questions uh, off, the, off the guys selling them, you know. Yeah, um, so beware of your farm gates and especially the animals that are in your fields because they, they'll roll up, roam out onto the roads and, and could cause a serious accident. Just, just exactly, beware of that. Exactly, yeah. and we could be here talking about a, a fatal traffic accident as a result of cattle wandering on the road. Through no fault, I stress to the farmer, but through the fault of some culprit who would have uh, robbed farm gates in the middle of the night, you know. So look, I'd be asking to anybody if you see anything new, you know, in 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 the middle of the night, just give us a ring in. You know, you know, wherever is your district, you know, whether you're in Middleton District, Mallow District, or uh, a neighbouring Garda district, you know, give us a ring in and uh, see. Um, another one there is a report there in Mallow. It, it occurred out in Mourne Abbey theft of two uh, rug covers for horses from, from animals that were out in the field. Um, now, that, that occurred on Monday, Tuesday, just gone. Um, another incident that I have there is 
it occurred on Saturday last, 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, we got a report there, in again in the Shannon Valley Moor area, Balnamore and the Shannon Valley Moor, of uh, a theft of an empty 1,000-litre diesel container. Now, diesel container was valuable €30, euro, but it was taken from land there at Balnamore and the Shannon Valley Moor. Now, uh, an employee on another farm observed this being stolen by two men. They left in a grey Nissan Jeep. Partial reg, reg number was 07LS. 07LS. Now, I've no doubt that that empty 1,000 litre diesel container is being stolen for theft purposes. Um, that I saw an incident there recently out near Coral Glass, and which were the premises done in the middle of the night. They had a fast fill diesel tank. And um, there's no doubt that it probably would have required a large van and probably with a couple of those t- empty 1,000 litre containers in the back. So just as a warning, you know, to basically to farmers or anyone else with tanks, um, we see diesel theft is beginning to come up again, um, no doubt as a result of the increase in oil prices and diesel prices all around the country. So please just make sure that your diesel tanks are secure, just that you don't have them too full, that you're, you know, keep them about half full, just make sure that that um, you have deterrent uh, efforts uh, in place to secure them, you know. Yeah, um, and it's worrying again, as you say, the farm-related crimes on the increase in some areas, anyhow, and, and just watching out farmyards and people, I suppose, trying to make a crime when they see it's appropriate to do so. So just keep a note on what's happening around you. Exactly, but I mean, a piece of care as well, you know, spot welding gates, just make sure as well, outside farms are more vulnerable than farms where there's residential, uh, you know, where there's residential farmhouse. The outside farms, and they're getting more common around the place that if a person has an outside farm, just make sure that they have one secure uh, secure store on that farm that will take, uh, you know, that will take a lot of work to get into. OK, something else that we haven't heard happening in, in a while, but we've always issued warnings, John. This is to do with a person trying to buy a dog over the internet. Yes. And well, then was done out of money. Another scam. Yeah, another scam. Basically, just a, a general warning about buying stuff over the internet, make sure that you know who, who you're dealing with. And um, uh, again, it, it might be a dog this week, it could be something else next week. You know, just be very, very careful. You, you know, your hard-earned money, just make sure that you know who, you, who you're dealing with. And, um, uh, you, you know, make sure that you Google beforehand as regards Facebook profiles and everything else. And um, that you you can get guides to online shopping, you can download them over the internet, you know, on the internet, free guides from various things. Um, if you go onto the Garda.ie site, um, you'll find a number of very useful Garda leaflets. If you go into the community relations section of the site, um, there's a number of very useful crime prevention leaflets, including on internet shopping. So just for people to exercise care, in the next month or in the next three weeks, uh, the internet is going to be getting very busy with, you know, people buying stuff for Christmas, you know, but just for them, you know, to be careful of who they're dealing with and that they're going to get the the product, you know, that they've just bought. Yeah, and, and always go to trusted sources as well, especially when dealing with animals online. And very finally, John, some road safety advice, of course. The clocks went back at the weekend. We're darker now, earlier in the evening, so if people are out and about walking, make sure you light up, and the same goes for drivers. Again, the high-vis jacket, you know, just make sure if you're walking uh, that you're wearing high-vis jackets, children in particular, um, 
the kids are going to be in various places along the country waiting for the school bus just for somebody maybe to stay with them, keep them in the, uh, you, you know, in the car until such time as the, the, the bus the bus arrives, you know. Um, again, uh, you know, that hour in the afternoon has made significant difference as well for people that would normally be walking home um, uh, from work, you know, or from school or from college. You know, they're walking now sometimes in the darkness. So, again, for people to factor it in, um, as well as that, I suppose we're seeing a bit of a change in the weather now. You know, we haven't had wet roads in the country for, for quite a while. A lot of leaves on the road. So your stopping distances is not, are not going to be as good at the moment. So for people, bear that in mind um, when, you know, when they're driving. You know, you know, you had a bit of frost overnight. You may be having some, you, you know, coming up again in the near future. Just bear it in mind. Uh, all road conditions when you're driving. Okay, John, well, thank you for that. That's uh, Sergeant John Kelly there uh, joining us from from my Garda station with this week's crime. Good afternoon to you, JP, and for Patricia, right through on till one with Cork today. Bernie takes your comments, 1850-333-103, or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Your pet questions are welcome because uh, Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, uh, she will join us after 12.30 answering all your pet questions. So, if you have a question for a pet in your household, get it in to us. A lot of people inquiring what they can do to settle their dogs after all the uh, mayhem last night uh, regarding fireworks and bangers and stuff. So get your questions and now for Jane, 1850 And a number of calls and comments in on various issues we've been discussing this morning. One of those was derelict buildings and how people and how the council indeed can deal with derelict buildings. We'll be discussing that earlier on in the programme on what they are doing at the moment. Uh, Martin, though, uh, putting in one suggestion regarding this and he feels that the government says that money is not the problem when it comes to homelessness and housing but in fact money is the problem says Martin. There's over 3,500 houses available to be renovated and buildings ready ready to live in but there seems to be no impulse to get it done. There are simple solutions to homelessness only reorganise current finances it's very simple really uh, says Martin on WhatsApp to always and on text Tim says there is a lot of old Garda stations convents and large priest houses idle everywhere across Cork could they not be used for the homeless and if they can't go along and solve the issue with derelict buildings straight away yeah they should be looked at and they have been looked at and I know some of those establishments in the past have been looked at not too sure what the current situation or status of them is uh, but yeah they have been looked at in the past and it would make sense that they if they are lying idle that they are used to help homelessness in some way anyhow and to be given to either a charity that can help them out or to be given to someone that they can move people in and get them off our streets and get them off housing lists and that type of thing if it is suited uh, depending on where the people are and etc and all of that anyhow thank you for your text Tim to 0862103103 and Heidi on WhatsApp and she's asking me did I get a chance to see a BBC show Watchdog now, uh, the reason she's uh, highlighting this is they were looking into something we discuss and others discuss a lot. It's to do with fly tipping and also a scam now on people's SIM cards. And they were dealing with the issue of people stealing their details, uh, the ones that were doing the fly tipping. And then if you were basically 
giving them to someone. So basically someone's calling to your door and saying, uh, I will dispose of your rubbish for you. They take your rubbish, you pay them. But in the end, that particular person is just disposing of the rubbish by dumping it. And they don't go along then and dispose it in the correct manner. Yet you have paid them to dispose of your rubbish. They go along and they dump it anywhere and your rubbish can be found uh, within forests and indeed on the side of roads and all that kind of thing. And of course, it comes back to you uh, because if they find evidence that the rubbish has belonged to you, they'll come knocking at your door. And even though you paid someone else to do that and you can say that to them, still, it's your responsibility and you can get fined. Uh, so, yeah, it's something we have discussed, Heidi, on this particular programme. I haven't seen that particular programme from the BBC. And actually speaking of the BBC, I don't know, is it just me? Or in the last five or six years, because so many of our own artist channels have grown and we have more offering now maybe from RTE and from Virgin Media Television that was TV3 uh, that I don't really watch a lot of UK TV anymore and I used to and I'm sure everybody used to but just within the last four or five years maybe it's just me I just don't seem to be putting on the UK channels as much I just seem to be keep keep flicking between the Irish channels uh, between TV3 and Virgin and TG Carter anyway uh, thank you for your text Hadi on that it is something to look out for I will try and watch that particular programme online if I can't get access to it uh, but indeed it is something we have discussed on this show and there is people who unfortunately have got caught and uh, we spoke to a caller on this show before where he genuinely thought he was he had rubbish out the back and he had he was paying for a refuse service he just had extra rubbish it was after Christmas last year and he gave this to a man who called around saying they were taking excess rubbish away. He gave the man the money, the man went away, and then later uh, a guy from the council came and said, do you realise your rubbish has been found in woods nearby dumped? And they found a receipt and his name was on the receipt and that's how they tracked him down and the man himself would never uh, have dumped illegally. So thank you Heidi for that. I didn't see that programme, maybe others did. Thank you for your text to uh, 086 103 You can call Bernie as well, 1850 or indeed you can email this afternoon, jp at c103.ie on the issue of home carers a lot of people reacting to this particular conversation we had with Liam O'Sullivan from, from Care Alliance earlier and the issue of people trying to access home care and indeed those who are working as a home carer and they even find that the limits that they are put under isn't enough to deal with the work they have to do anyhow a lady in the city was on she is a home carer and she says there are some very good home helps out there and then there are some who are totally unsuitable. The coordinators do not seem to care whether the home help is suitable or not. Uh, This lady was given some home helps as she needs a lot of support in her own house and one of them was completely no help at all. She got in the way more than being helpful, uh, says that particular caller to Bernie earlier on 1850 333 103. And we spoke as well, and this was on the Gardafile, regarding gates being stolen from farmyards and Sergeant John Kelly from from my Garda station uh, was warning farmers to make sure your gates are upheld that they are uh, securely fitted and all of that because what's happening more than likely is the gates are being stolen uh, from the entrances to fields and they're being sold off to others and others are buying them uh, thinking that they're genuine when they're not. Uh, the other side of this is if there's animals in a particular field where the gate is, if the gate is gone, the animals go out onto the road and then that can cause a traffic accident and it could be a serious accident and as John was saying earlier, the last thing he wants to do is be on here speaking about a 
face a road collision because of that particular incident of someone stealing a gate well a farmer has phoned Bernie to say by law you are obliged to keep your firearms locked up at all times so when someone breaks into your premises you are supposed to say hold on a while until I get out a gun he says you should be allowed to keep at least one shotgun where you can get it and where it's needed, says that particular farmer. So obviously he would take the law into his own hands if someone came into his particular house. And we've seen how that has worked before in some areas. And some people agree with you on that. Well, others say uh, the law may go against you, but I can see where people would agree. If they had to shoot someone, they would shoot someone if they found them on their land late at night or indeed in their house or were still walking into their bedroom late at night, which has happened before in crimes, uh, not in recent years, but over the years we have heard that. Uh, John, uh, in Morn Abbey, uh, agreeing with Sergeant John Kelly, yes, farmers need to be minding their actual gates and their stock as well. Maybe no harm and a reminder to farmers to be out and about and to be checking their gates at the moment if that crime is on the way up again, uh, says John. You can text 86 call Bernie 1850 uh, More comments coming in to us on home helps and indeed on people trying to access home helps and indeed on that situation of uh, basically people going around stealing gates and access gates into farms discussing that shortly as well plus keep your pet questions coming because Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us shortly you can get those to Bernie 1850 the C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie and the Irish Blood Transfusion Service they will hold a blood donor clinic it's in Skullvira on Small and Blarney and that is taking place this evening from 5 to 8.30. The Jack O'Driscoll Fund will hold a night with the stars and that's going ahead at the Silver Springs Hotel and that's on next Monday, November the 5th. Stars include Roy Keane, Donald O'Cusack and Valerie Mulcahy. They'll all be in attendance and tickets are from Supervalue stores or from tickets.ie. And the 5k Glow Fun Run Walk will take place in Bantry. That is on tomorrow, Friday at 8 o'clock in the evening. All proceeds are going to Coaction and Bantry Blues Juvenile GA Club. It's open to all ages. You can register now online for that particular Glow Fun Run in Bantry. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Bantry Glow Fun Run. And Mallow Art Club, they host Dorothy Roberts and that's taking place this evening at 7.30 in the Mercy Centre in Mallow. And Dorothy will work on a number of woodland scenes there this evening at the Mercy Centre in Mallow. And as part of the Clonakilty Arts Festival, the Cope Foundation will host an exhibition of paintings and crafts and that will go ahead in their shop in Hearts Courtyard in Clonakilty and that's going ahead tomorrow Friday to November the 4th from 12 to 4 daily and Milford GA they are holding an Oscars night and that's taking place in Charnival Park Hotel that's on tomorrow evening there'll be celebrity judges there including Davy Fitz Anna Geary and Maeve McGrath and there'll also be seven movies there on the night all proceeds will go to the new all weather pitch at Milford GA Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 and just on the home help issue, which we spoke about there earlier with Care Alliance Ireland, John is in Moran Abbey and he, his friends, he says, get home helps and they only stay for 30 minutes. He feels that that is no help at all. And they should stay for at least an hour. And that is something we, we raised in that particular discussion. And home helps would actually agree with you, John, on that. Well, someone that was that contacted us anyway would agree with you on that. And here's one more person who is a home help and agrees with another caller who made a, a point similar to John saying... 
30 minutes is not enough, but not everyone understands that from a management point of view. Like every role I feel, those in charge need to follow those that work around for a day, like to shadow them. Then they might get an idea of what home helps are expected to do. Uh, they do 30 minutes, or she says she's done, I do 30 minutes, and I know that I cannot get everything done in that particular 30 minutes. And then I have to get into my car, travel elsewhere, and I barely make the time to get to the other destination and then carry out the 30 minutes work as well. All of that is going on when you do need to sit down as well and chat to the person you're supposed to be caring for and doing the work for. Sometimes a chat to a person for 15 minutes means a lot more to them than just going along, doing the work and ignoring them. A lot of people just are looking for company, is what this home helper is saying. And a number of other people who work in the role of home help are saying the same thing in that particular role. Uh, They're saying, yes, uh, the work is one situation and doing the housework. But the big thing they find is that people are lonely. And they want someone to talk to. And when they come into the home, the person just wants to talk. And they obviously have to do a certain amount of work as well. And sometimes people can do that and talk. Sometimes people find it hard to multitask and they they can't do that. And the majority of what we're getting here from people who are carers is saying a lot of people do just want someone to talk to and they're lonely and that's no surprise at all uh, because we hear that ourselves here on the show and even dealing with the, the calls that come into the show as well you will have people who will ring for a chat because they're on their own all day and at a night time here at the radio station and the the guys who work on the later shows here at night time will tell you that you will have people ringing the radio station and they're ringing more or less, not they might put in a request, but they're actually ringing for a chat and they're ringing to see how are you doing and to talk about issues of the day. And that would be in every local radio station, especially local rural radio stations across the country, uh, that you will have a situation where people are ringing up. Uh, they, they hear the names, they think they know you, uh, they're ringing for a chat, they get to know you then on the phone and they just keep ringing for a chat because they're lonely. And that is a big problem we have in rural Ireland and that's what the home helps are saying and, and, and they know the 30 minutes isn't enough but they don't make the rules. It's the rules are made by the management and it's a good point there from uh, that particular home helper who was saying that it maybe if the management that make the rules follow the workers for a day and that could be said in any role by the way not just in home helps I'm sure people listening will have will be working in some place where they realise yes that could be said for any particular job in the country then you could have a different situation but loneliness is a big factor and people want to talk more than get the work done sometimes and you know as I said we've seen that here ourselves uh, 1850-333-103 lines open Bernie takes your calls you can text or WhatsApp 86 Keep your questions coming as well for Jane. Uh, Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Your pet questions, welcome for Jane. And I know a lot of people looking for advice for their dogs, especially after the goings-on last night for Halloween. So we'll get some advice from Jane on that as well. That, of course, to do with fireworks and bangers. And Jim has been on. Jim, not happy because earlier on in the programme, I mentioned an article I came across this morning in the Irish Mirror, and this is how details of bulky pensions and golden handshakes given to TDs when they retire, that's going to remain hidden 
and it's going to remain hidden now to us under data protection laws from the EU, the GDPR. Remember that? That came out during the summer. Ireland obviously adopted that particular ruling, as did all countries in Europe. And because of that particular rule, when a minister or a TD now resigns and before you would have got the information, maybe there and then or maybe the year after would have come out saying that a certain person uh, would have got so much money, uh, the likes of maybe uh, Brian Cowan and Bertie O'Hearn in the time of the crash and they left and there was a lot of people giving out on, oh, they would be entitled to a pension and the figures came out then uh, for their particular pensions. People were unhappy that they got that level of money and the extra payments people get then as well on top of that pension, the payouts, if maybe a minister is even sacked, they can get a payout for losing their job. Anyhow, all of those figures were open before, now under GTP. Or it seems uh, that these figures won't be as open. Now, I'm not too sure under freedom of information after uh, five, ten years, if people would be able to get access to those. But going on this particular article, it seems, no. It seems that those who receive payments will sigh I suppose uh, or breathe a sigh of relief at this stage uh, because their details won't be published thanks to that uh, red tape from the EU anyhow uh, Jim saying typical elections coming up next year with locals and God knows we could have a general election as well and then this ruling comes out how very handy that all the payments given to these politicians now will remain hidden from the public again uh, while Jura saying have we not learned anything in this country we're hiding things all the years and again we're now going to hide the information that should be public. After all, we are the taxpayers that paid this out in the first place. They're, they're being paid by taxpayers' money. Uh, surely we are entitled to know what we are getting for our money, says Jer on text 0862103103. You can also WhatsApp on that number or email jp at c103.ie. You can call Bernie on 1850-333-103. Lines are busy, but you can keep trying there if you can get through. Or if you wish, you can go on Facebook if you're on Facebook and send us a private message on Facebook and speaking of sending messages on the computer Age Action have been on to us and it's your last chance this year to avail of a free it's a free uh, one-to-one tutored course Age Action are holding and it's called Getting Started Computer and Digital Device Courses it's for the over 55s and it's going along in the following areas here in Cork on Monday evenings from 6 to 8pm in the College of Commerce and also then from Thursday mornings at the CBS in Deer Park in Turner's Cross or indeed in Bishopstown and on Friday mornings in the North Mon and on Saturday mornings then the Bank of Ireland workbench it's going on there and the course is going on for five weeks now seemingly it's fun relaxed there's no pressure you can learn at your own pace at those particular venues that is run in conjunction with Age Action if you want to reserve a space there is a few spaces available so you can call 021 206 7399 that's 021 206 7399 or indeed text 087 195 6026 if you want to go along and take part in those free courses on getting started on the computer and indeed on digital devices like a smartphone, like a tablet. Uh, You can get those from the locations I mentioned on that phone number and also they're looking for tutors. So if you are willing to help out there, if you're really good on the computer and on devices, well, they're looking for tutors as well. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103.
It's Diana Ross, Chain Reaction, C103. Keep your pet questions coming. Jane Pickett joining us very shortly from the Idlewood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Just a final few comments in. First of all, on home helps. And this is a WhatsApp or no name on this, but says my mother-in-law has a home help and she is supposed to stay for 30 minutes every day, but only stays for 10 to 15 minutes max every day. And we have heard from people working in home helps who say there is some in the system who should not be there, who are not suitable. Others then are fantastic. So that could be an issue. Maybe you need to go back to the core coordinator with of the home help and explain that to them and maybe that can be changed so thank you for your whatsapp and uh, regarding home helps the lady living in north cork says her home helps uh, they should spend an hour and a half because they're trying to get in coal they're trying to do washing up they're making tea they're, they're doing all of these jobs but how can they be expected to do all these particular jobs in 30 minutes they should easily have an hour and a half and then they will be able to relax and chat to the person as well because that is needed also and we spoke there earlier with comments coming into us about loneliness and how some home helps uh, feel loneliness is a bigger issue uh, than getting the jobs done as people want to talk and I mentioned there uh, from a home helper who said they would love the coordinator to come around with them or maybe the, the management because they might not be aware of how long it takes to get jobs done and speak to people and what is needed on the ground and Michael Amalo says when you are working in a factory you could be followed around by a time and motion person to see how long it takes to do your job the same thing should happen with home helps and then we would all know they don't have enough time says Michael Amalo on 1850 333103 a lot of questions are in for Jane we'll get to those next on our pet questions Jane Pickett uh, joining us next and just a mention for people living in areas of North Cork with no water there's no water in the Fremont area Milford Liscarroll and Jemina uh, that is off until 3 o'clock this afternoon that is why you have no water if you don't in those areas and now time for uh, moving on to your pet questions Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket which is part of Mill Street Veterinary Group joins us good afternoon to you Jane hi there and we've had a lot of people who've been on to us in the last while and this is the last day or so anyhow wondering what to do with their pets for Halloween and now today we have people who've looked after their pets kept them inside but their pets are nervous because of the fireworks Mm. and the bangers that were on last night Uh, how do you get a pet to overcome this nervousness because uh, one person here is saying that uh, they haven't had that issue in her housing estate before they had it last night it's new noise to the dog so uh, how do you get them over that yeah it is it is very strange I suppose you have to think of it from the dog or cat's perspective they have no idea why this is happening and all of a sudden there's loads of noises out of the blue and it's it's really all they can interpret it is as danger and I suppose if you've done well last night and kept them inside kept them calm as well as you can then that's great well done but sometimes we do see for a few days following that and even certainly into next weekend there might still be some kind of festivities going on as it were that they can be a little bit on edge maybe off their food not feeling you know tip top and a little bit worried I think the best things you can do are try to act as normal as possible because if you're stressed that they're stressed they pick up on that and they interpret that as something they need to be afraid of so what I would say is try and be nice and relaxed around them spend lots of time with them and I think if they're anxious about little noises now having all the bangers and the fireworks and everything last night just put on some ambient noise in the background something very relaxing kind of smooth listening classical something like that something that's not going to have any kind of loud scary noises in it and keep them happy I think distraction is a great tactic as well. If they're feeling well enough, taking them out for a nice walk sometimes relaxes them, getting them back into routine. But I think if you can keep to normal, relax yourself and stick with their normal routine and they'll be okay. 
Okay, and another issue that has come up on our Garda file earlier, and this was to do with people who are purchasing pets and mm. buying pets and basically Googling, wanting to buy a dog in Cork, I suppose, in Google, whatever, find a website. And then they f- go and meet the person mm-hmm. and they're scammed out of their money for one reason or another. It's something uh, the guards have been raising with us today on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, a warning, I suppose, trusted sites, trusted sources. Exactly. And I think it's the old age thing that we always say, I would never hand over money without seeing a puppy with the mother. I think that's the really important thing. Um, I think it's incredible that people are handing over money without even seeing the puppy they're about to spend the rest of its life with. Um, And I think it's really important to know what you're getting because I suppose if we support good breeding and good purchasing, so by that I mean talking to the breeder, making sure they sound like they're taking good care of the pups, but most importantly, seeing those pups with their mother so that you know that the mother is well cared for and it's a good establishment that's doing things properly. We don't want to be getting into a situation where we're supporting things like puppy farming, where the practices might not be so good and the welfare of those pets under their care might not be so great. So I think never hand over money without seeing the pup with its mother and talking to the breeder in the home it's been brought up in. But yeah, it is very worrying hearing these things cropping up. I'd not be meeting people in car parks or anything like that, which we keep hearing about. No. no, exactly. Definitely always visit the house where they've been brought up. OK, a lot of questions in, Jane. So let's get straight into them. And this first one here is from Kathleen in Ballyhay. Now, Kathleen has two Jack Russells, a father and son. And they are out the back of her home in the back garden all the time. But when she goes out the back door, they start to fight. And now they're drawing blood on each other. The father was always the dominant dog. He is seven years old. The son is four years old. Any advice for Kathleen? Mm. This sounds like quite a serious problem, really. If they're fighting to the degree where they're drawing blood at this stage that's really worrying I wonder if if some separation could be created for the two dogs to maybe give them so, some time alone as it were they may not be so aggressive when they're in each other's presence but I think it's interesting that they start fighting when you come into the back garden I would wonder if they're fighting all the time um, maybe spying through the kitchen window out the back to see if they're, they're constantly at it would be helpful if it is just when you're around sometimes it can be because they can be quite possessive over people if they're really fond of you they might be wanting attention as versus the other Jack Russell um, um, so I think from that perspective, there's a few things you can do. I think really key would be with this is separating them to keep them both safe until the issue is sorted, if that's at all possible. I think it would be really helpful to get your vet and possibly a behaviourist involved because they are drawing blood and this sounds quite serious at this stage. It will be interesting to know whether these pets are neutered or not, whether one or both is. Sometimes we can kind of help to settle down any dominance or kind of vying for the top spot as the top dog issues if we do neuter one of the pets. So normally we neuter the pet that's less dominant as it were to kind of create some separation between the levels of dominance in the pets but I think really analysis from an animal behaviourist but also your vet um, will help you to guide us what to best to do in your situation. Okay and another behavioural issue here this is on WhatsApp uh, they have a six month old border collie who has started biting people lately when they come into their yard or runs out on the road we have put a muzzle on her now when she is out we also keep her on a lead if she's going out on the road will she get out of this particular habit or will she always be a risk I think if if left in the current situation I think it sounds like she'll always be a risk and if she's getting to the point where she's biting people then it's a, it's a real real concern because I suppose in the end of the day we're responsible for the pets under our care and what they do so we need to be really careful I think it's a sensible step that you've popped a muzzle on for the meantime but it's not a long term solution and obviously that can't be left on all day it's only for short periods where she might be in contact with other people for example as a protective measure I think very similar to the last situation this is a very serious behavioural situation that needs dealing with and I think again 
a behaviorist and a vet will be able to help you in that situation but I think certainly something needs to be done it's not a phase she's going to grow out of because collies in particular have a herding mentality so in a sense they see people coming into the yard they think they're sheep cattle essentially they get all confused particularly when they don't have a lot of other mental stimulation and that is essentially a behavioral trait so you need to work on on making that safe. Okay, Jane is in Mallow. She wants to know, is there a reduced price scheme for a person on disability to get their dog neutered? And when a male dog is neutered then, is he still fertile for a short while after that? So um, there are some reduced price schemes occasionally. So they come up every now and again and they're generally run by a, a charity called the Dogs Trust. Um, sometimes in veterinary surgeries we might be given a, a programme where we have a certain amount of, of funds allocated to allow for people on let's say benefits or dis- disability benefit um, so it's worth asking at your vet if anything like that has come up recently or might be available in the future but that would only be a, a temporary thing and you'd have to double check the terms and conditions as regards whether they're still fertile post neutering actually they can be for a very short period of time because I suppose if you think about it we might be castrating them and taking away the way that they produce the sperm but there's still some hanging around in the body um normally after they have a have been neutered they're kept in and let's say kept very quiet for a week or so and by then after that we should be pretty safe anyway so normally it's not a great concern all right and we have michael and bantry who wants to know if you have or get a toy dog or a toy cat can that actually have any effect on the real pet in the household not generally, I wouldn't say. Um, sometimes if they're incredibly lifelike, it might be nice for them to have a buddy. But I think a lot of them, once they realise that it's an inanimate object yeah. as such, they won't really interact with it a great deal. Some of them quite like to carry them around. I know my own dog has a little duck that it carries around everywhere. <laughs> um, but that's more just that she likes to have a little yeah, teddy yeah. that she carries around. So no, I don't think it should have it, it cause any problems. All right. And Jane is in, or sorry, John is in Glantan and he has a water spaniel. Now, the, his ears, they seem to be getting irritated at the moment last year the vet cleaned them out Mm -hmm. and he was okay for a while but now he's scratching all the time again any idea what could be causing this Mm, there's a number of things that can cause itchy ears so sometimes it can be a little insect called an ear mite which is kind of ambient in the environment they pick them up all over the place um, and that can be a problem you can obtain kind of little spot on treatments that can help to to settle that problem down and kill off the ear mites but you can have other more serious problems like an ear infection um, so a bacterial ear infection which might need antibiotics and treatment if we're scratching and itching quite a lot, to be perfectly honest, I think to get to the bottom of it, you need to visit your vet. They'll probably, first of all, clean out the ears, make sure that they're OK. And we'll also check the inner structures of the ear to make sure it's safe to give treatment. But I think really to get the appropriate treatment and to give good relief to your pet, visit your vet. Because I suppose if you've ever had an ear infection, you know how irritating it is. It's really, really sore and itchy. So for for their own welfare, it's best to pop to the vet. OK, and Joni wants to know, can cats get cold? Because her cat at the moment seems to have a runny nose. She doesn't know how to deal with her cat. Mm. Uh, any tips uh, for Joni? They can do. So cats can get uh, a whole group of diseases that we umbrella under cat flu. Some of them are bacterial. Some of them are viral. Some of those are things that we vaccinate for. Um but they can happen otherwise anyway. I think if we've got a runny nose and sometimes cats actually manifest having a little bit of a flu with runny eyes as well, um, then the most likely thing is it will probably need some anti-inflammatories and perhaps some antibiotics depending on what your vet sees appropriate. But if it's lingering for more than a day or two or your cat feels a little bit unwell or off his food or not quite right, I would definitely go to your vet just to seek advice initially, but probably for to prescribe some medication. 
Okay, Betty is in Mayfield. She has an elderly golden Labrador. Now, she is limping for the last few months. Her back legs seem to be causing her some pain. Is there any vitamins or something that we can give her, that she can give her? Mm, There are some supplements you can give. So very much like humans, uh, I suppose a a lot of us, as we get older, we might be taking, let's say, glucosamine supplements or something like that to promote joint health. But I think really in this case, that might be of value. But it sounds like that that little dog might be having trouble trouble with either pain in either muscular or bones or perhaps even some osteoarthritis which is very common in older dogs I think although supplements might be of benefit I think the real thing that might be of benefit is assessment with your vet with a view to possibly getting some pain relief you know yourself if you have a sore joint particularly if it's let's say your back or your hips every single little movement you do is quite sore so I think some pain relief particularly in an elderly patient might be quite prudent in this case so visit your vet for an assessment and I think that'll really help her to get some juice back in her step. Okay, very finally, Kitty's in the city. She has a West Highland Terrier, six months old. Now, he seems to have itchy skin all the time. Should she change his food or is there some kind of special shampoo that she can get for him? Mm. So... There could be a few different things going on here. So it's interesting that it's a West Highland White Terrier because these little dogs are incredibly prone to being itchy for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they can even be born with kind of a predisposition predisposition to be allergic to lots of things in the environment as a breed. So it makes them a little bit more challenging than, than other normal, let's say a normal crossbreed or another breed. It could be a few things going on. It could be parasites. So I'd first of all, make sure your flea mite and lice treatment is up to date. So visit your vet for a spot on or a tablet to deal with that. But it's also worth having an assessment should the itchiness persist post that um, to see if there might be any underlying infection in the skin, but most likely if there was any kind of underlying allergy. Now, sometimes we can control that with diet. So some dogs are allergic to something in the diet, but sometimes they're allergic to something in the environment. It could be anything. It's like ourselves. We can be allergic to grass or dust mites, etc. It can be anything and sometimes they just need targeted medication to slow down that itching cycle just to make them a lot more comfortable I think if you know yourself if you're itchy anywhere it's really really bothering you sometimes you can't even sleep you're just constantly thinking about it and you can't concentrate on anything else so for that little pet's quality of life I think it's really important to visit your vet for some initial treatment and assessment and actually speaking or speaking of itching there there's another whatsapp just in from Mary who has a 13 year old golden retriever who suffers from itchy ears the vet has ruled out any infections Mm. or mites now she has tried creams nothing seems to work and he is already on medication for arthritis so could that Mm -hmm. possibly be a cause could that be uh, causing him harm or itchiness I I think it's very unlikely most of the medications that we prescribe for arthritis are are predominantly pain relief and sometimes like like we spoke about there they can be joint supplements sometimes now I suppose anything is possible but it wouldn't be a, a side effect that I would be worried about with any of the medications I'd prescribe normally itchiness in the ears would be something very specific that I don't think is connected I think for that little pet just kind of trust trust your vet they're going through the diagnosis and it sounds like they're doing a really great job um, sometimes it can be really frustrating to, to reach a point where we can get that problem treated and sorted for the pet but I think keep persisting Okay, Jean, thank you for that. Okay. And thank you for all the, the advice there when it comes to dogs, Halloween and indeed purchasing dogs, something we're going to discuss tomorrow on the show as well. Thank you, Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And just speaking there on dogs and tomorrow, we're going to hear from a person on the show who couldn't really look after their dog anymore, uh, saw the signs and the ads for, you know, free to a good home and decided to offer her dog free to a good home. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out to be a good home. We'll hear about that and another warning for you when dealing with your dogs and animals uh, that particular person will chat to us tomorrow on the show uh, plus much more of your calls and comments we didn't get to today that and more uh, from 10am tomorrow my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced enjoy your Thursday afternoon 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.